Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. come down today with you guys um but I, I was able to talk to kevin sanchez today's like sanchez day or something like that <laughs> Hallelujah! but but um I, I was able to speak to kevin and um i think it was last sunday is it last sunday okay that god gave you a uh, vision yeah it was um god gave him um something special and dropped it on in him and um and when i heard that i just laughed I, kind of and i said all right you're sharing it on sunday because I already had in mind um, what, what the Lord was stirring in my heart to share with you guys. So, so I'm going to ask Kevin to come up here as the word, as this is the, the introduction of the word. And um, I want him to share with you, because you see, this is what's happening here. I, I'm, I'm praying for the church to have dreams and visions and praying for the church to cry again. I'm praying, I'm praying all weird kind of prayers. I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily just praying, oh, Lord, bring 100 more people to our church. I'm actually praying, Lord, um, kill and make alive the 100 people that we already have. <laughs> like bury and raise them up and, and let them see visions and dreams. And, and, and Kevin is one of them that has had a vision. I want him to share from his heart. And then from there, we'll, we'll get into the word. <clears throat> Hey, great. How's everyone doing? All right. Um, I'm Kevin. I've been coming here for quite some time. Um, just going to get into... Uh, You've been coming here some, for quite some time. A, a, long, a long time? <laughs> so, um, uh, last week in worship... Um, standing right there and, um, you know, just worshiping the Lord and, and, uh, getting into his presence and prayer. And, um, you know, I just received this vision. Um, I actually had the privilege to share. I, last week I was, I was like wrestling with myself. I was like, should I go up and share it now? What should I do? Should I go tell Rigo something? And I was like, you know what? The Lord just, just told me to chill. You know, and um, it's crazy because later that day I had the privilege to uh, be able to sit down with an old friend of mine and uh, share this vision with him. And he gave his life to the Lord uh, after, man, I've known this guy since I was like 15. You know, I'm 31 now. So it's been quite some time that I've known him and God has been pursuing him. And maybe you might be in those shoes today. Um, if not, it's cool. But. Uh, I'm just going to share the vision, but pretty much I was standing there, I saw this cup, and uh, this cup was just filled with a lot of things. It was filled with bitterness, shame, emptiness, um, just guilt, pain, hurt, anger, uh, fear. It just I just saw all these things in, in a cup, you know? And I saw this water trying to go into this cup, and it couldn't go in because it, it was filled with all these things. And I saw the cup be emptied out, 
and the water be poured in. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of what that means. That cup is us. That cup, the way that that cup is emptied out is by us confronting things in our life that have led to those things. So it might be your fear. It might be your shame. It might be your guilt. Whatever it is, God is saying to confront it. If you don't confront it, that cup will not turn over and be poured out. And especially the second part, which is the water being poured in. That water is the living water. It's the water that, that Jesus spoke to the woman at the well about. That if you thirst, don't drink of the things in this world. Don't drink of your own cup. It's not going to get you anywhere. Drink of his living water that you'll never thirst again. And that cup signifies the peace with God, which follows the peace of God. The peace with God is when you say, God, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot live this anymore. And you confront it. Maybe you have to forgive people that have hurt you. They didn't know what they were doing. God was working in your life and the enemy came to steal and destroy the plan that he has in your life. That's the peace of God. It's saying, God, I need you. I'm not worthy. I need of you. I don't want to look to any more things in the world, the things that just cause you to be empty. And the peace of God is the peace that no matter what you're going through, God will give you the joy. He'll give you the peace to go through whatever it is that you need to go through. Why? Because he turns all things for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called? Are you called? Is God calling you? Are you living for your purpose or for his purpose? Which one is it? Maybe that cup, you're just going around, drinking of it, but you're not getting filled. Lastly, um, <clears throat> he shared me, he gave me a scripture, which is uh, Matthew 11, where he says, cast all my burdens. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to pour out that cup. He wants you to confront those people. He wants you to confront yourself and say, I was wronged, but God is here to fill me. Say, God, I, I, I acknowledge what happened in my life. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I've wronged people as well. Fill me. Fill me with your everlasting water. And the last thing that I saw in my vision um, which was that after the water went in, that the water was poured out, but the water was no longer water, it was wine. Amen. And that wine 
I mean, it signifies a lot of things, and I'm sure Rio is going to elaborate on that. But um, it signifies uh, the new covenant, which is that we were bought by his blood, that Jesus died on the cross, that he poured out all his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, for your shame, not only your, the forgiveness of your sins and how you've wronged people, but how people have wronged you. And you might feel, where is the justice? Put your trust in the Lord. Let him fill you. That is the true justice. It's the peace. It's the peace of God that's the justice. And, you know, and, and I had to lose a lot with shame because I feel like I, that's something that I myself had been going through. And, um, and, you know, when Jesus died on that cross, he died on that cross naked. I know we don't like to think about that. Why? Because it brings shame. But that's what it signifies. He died for our shame. That whatever you were wronged in, he wants to take that away because he took it on the cross. He not only took away our sins, but he took away our shame. And the Father has been showing this even from the beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, God clothed them. He clothed their nakedness. They try to clothe themselves with uh, bushes and trees and it could, because they realized they were naked. But God said, no, I will clothe you. And this clothing is Jesus. It's the clothing of righteousness, not of your own works, but the works that he did on the cross. Trust in him. Trust in him. That's it. And that's pretty much it. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Yeah, it was good. Praise God. I want, I want to go ahead and get into this um, because I'm going to touch up on some stuff that Kevin um, spoke on right now. And, and one of the, the message today, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. It's, we're going to continue on responding. And this is like week one, two, three, I think it's like four that we've been talking about what responding looks like. And um, it started off by talking about something needs to give, something has to give. Remember that? If you've been here for the last, I mean, it's, it's crazy sometimes when we miss a Sunday and we might listen to the podcast, but there's something different when you're here and you're seeing the move of God and then you're seeing it through worship, through everything that we're doing. And, um, or if you've missed the whole podcast, because they all connect with each other um, if you missed the message. But today, um, if you could write this down, responding looks like, and, and we're going to talk about growth. Responding looks like growth, right? Growth. Um, and I want to I wanna just go ahead and spend some time in that because I think um, it's going to be beneficial to us. I wonder if there's, if we can um, together admit that there needs to be growth in our lives. I wonder if there's someone here that feels like, no, I've reached the pinnacle of growth. Or if we're all at a place where you recognize, like, no, nah, there's definitely room for growth in me. How many of you can share um, that feeling with me that there is growth that still needs to occur in, in my life? All right, good. 99%, 98% of you, that's good. And, and, and I think it's, I mean, it's evident because we're mankind, we're human, and we recognize that we live one minute, and we recognize, I need to grow up. <laughs> I need to grow up. Just one minute. Growth. Responding looks like growth. You know, when, when you think about growth in the physical, in the physical, when someone lacks growth, when someone lacks growth, it can be seen as abnormal. When, when you think of someone who lacks growth, it's abnormal. 
even if it's not in the physical state, but if you look at someone's character and, and they lack growth, they may be called immature. And, and such a person may be even hard to be around. They just need to grow up. It's, it's lacking growth. We could say this, that the nature of living things is to grow. The nature of living things is to grow. It, it's supposed to grow. And it's not, if it's not growing, then it's a sign that something is wrong, that there's a problem, right? If, if it's not growing, then something's wrong. It's a problem. I took my daughter to do those shots or whatnot or those, uh, or those what is it called, those checkups. Uh, and uh, I was given the, the honorable assignment to do it by myself without mom. And, um, and, you know, he gives you the percentile and stuff like that, you know. And he sees my daughter, and I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I mean, her dad is, is a pretty big guy, and he's, <laughs> whatever. I call us the petite family. But, but my wife is not as, um, she's, she's average, below, a little bit below average, and I will say, um, but she, I mean, she's perfect to me, yeah, but below, and I'm below average as well. So he, he measures my daughter, and he checks her skull, her, her head, and her, and her height, and her weight, all that, right? And she's like, 20, he writes 25%, she puts a line, 25%. He's, she's good, she's, she's good, she's below, um, what did he say? She, she's right below average on both of them. I'm like, that's not good. Like, I want her to be above. <laughs> you know, everything about me as a dad, your daughter is above average in everything. She went over average, you know. As a dad, it's like, what do you mean? She's, the same thing always happened with Jack. It's like, yeah, he's right below. So, I've, I've, you know, and then he always says the same joke. Like, he's, I mean, he's not going to be a basketball player, but he'll be like, and I'm like, I know, man, you know. <laughs> but when something doesn't grow automatically in your mind, you think abnormal. It should. There's something wrong. There's a problem. It needs to be looked in. Hopefully, you think like that. It needs to be looked at and looked into. Because the opposite of growth, it could be so many things. But what are some opposite words of growth? You could look at the word stagnant. Stagnant is definitely an opposite of growth. Stagnant is, is, is not growing. It's staying the same. And, and God might have grown you from a prior place and you've grown from that prior place. But I want us to know that it's not okay to stay in the place where God transformed us into and we don't just stay there. There's got to be a place now where we continue to grow from the growth that God has brought us in the past. Last year's growth Compared to this year's growth, should look totally different. I still shouldn't be living today in last year's growth. There should be a certain lifestyle of growth in me today that speaks better than last year's growth because God is taking us from different places in growth. And we've talked about glory to glory and strength to strength, faith to faith, and all these different things here. And we look at stagnant. We look at immaturity. Immaturity. There is, the Bible talks about becoming that perfect man. It does not mean you're perfect away from all sin. It means that you are now a firm, mature man in, in the things of the Lord, in, in doctrine, in, 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 in the things of God. You are maturing. And I'm going to get, I don't want to get so into it because I'm going to give you a scripture in a moment about that. But you're maturing and you're growing. The opposite of growth is shrinking. Some, some, some are growing, but then they go back. I, I shared, I think it was last week. That, that those, when, G, when Jesus spoke this word that it was hard for them to receive, it says they went back and they followed him no more. When I saw that on paper, that's not called stagnant or immature. That's called shrinking. They went back. They, they went back to an infant stage. They went back to immaturity. They went back to just, you, man, you missed it, what God was trying to do instead of growing into that. So there's shrinking. There's so many different words, and we're not going to go down the whole dictionary of all the things that, can be 
And we know that if you run a, a business or some certain type of organization and if it's not growing, they actually pay people very well to look into it and to change things around, to add things and take away things in order to bring growth again. Because it's abnormal, it's not accepted, it's not okay to not grow. You should write that down in your notes. It's not okay to not grow. Amen? Amen. So one of the greatest questions that I could ask you today, one of, the, one of the most important things that I could ask you today, if you are in Christ, that's the key thing, it's have you grown? Are you growing in the Lord? Are you at a different place today? Are you at a different place today because you're growing from the last time we met or from last year? Like, are you growing in Christ? So important. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, back to this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Look what he says. Old, everyone say old things. All things have passed away, and behold, all, thi all things, it doesn't leave anything out, all things become new. So if you are in Christ, there is a newness, there is something new, which means everything that is of old is passed away, and all things now become new. The, the word here, the word he is a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is important because the word creation signifies that we are living creatures. We're living creatures. So, so it's so important because if we're living creatures, it's then this metamorphosis has occurred in our lives and this metamorphosis looks like this. All things are no more. It's like, it's like the butterfly doesn't return back to being a caterpillar. There's a moment in the caterpillar's life where he's got to go through a transformation and become the butterfly that he was called to be. It would be abnormal if the butterfly just stayed forever. Hey, when are you going to get into your cocoon, your chrysalis, your pupa, whatever it's called? You know, when, when, when are you going to get into this thing and metamorphose yourself? And he's like, well, I'm just comfortable crawling on the trees and making holes on the leaves. But do you understand that if you go into the place of growth, you could actually flap your wings and fly and reach new heights that you would have never reached just by crawling on leaves and making holes on them. There is something greater in you, but when you go through the the process of growth because an encounter responding to his presence will bring growth into your life how do you know where someone is not responding to the presence of God there is a lack of growth in their lives come on how do I know whether someone is not really growing in the Lord they're not responding to his presence and to those encounters with God it's going to show that they're not growing it's going to show that they're going back to maybe old sinful ways or back to the old set of mentalities last week we said sometimes on this journey we pick up things again that we once dropped off when we stop growing we might go back and pick up those bags again it's it's the reason why Jesus, after he resurrected, went to Peter and said, Peter, why are you fishing again? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I do. The third time, do you love me? Lord, I've told you three times. You know that I love you. Go feed my sheep. Why? I called you out of fishery, fishering. And I've called you to be a fisher of men. Why did you go back? What did that show you about Peter? He began to what? 
lack growth in his life. Jesus died, my Lord died, oh my God, woe is me. And he went back to his old lifestyle of fishing because it was comfortable to him. So the Lord had to confront him after his resurrection and says, I thought you loved me. I, you know I do. I thought you loved me. You know I do. I thought you loved me. You know I do. So why are you fishing again? Why would you pick up the nets again? Why aren't you preaching somewhere? What's, these are the things I'm talking about. So, so, so there is this change that, that the Lord does in us. This, that, that's growth. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's growth. I believe 2 Corinthians 5.17 speaks a lot about growth. Just more than just salvation. We look at this verse as salvation. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But I know that when I first got saved, everything didn't just change. But I do know that when I first got saved, I started to grow in the Lord and things began to change. Old things started to be removed and new things started to become. Why? Because it's the work of growth. It's continuing to respond in growth. Transformational growth. So let's examine our spiritual state. Let's examine our heart today. Let's examine our hearts, our mind. Let's examine everything that is spiritual and everything within us for a moment. Because if we say, well, very important that you, that you, that you get this. Well, all things are still here. They really haven't died. We, and if we continue to say things like, well, thank God. For, listen, it's so important. Thank God for his grace. It's his grace that saves me. But everyone that knows me knows I have a bad attitude. But amen, his grace. I've had that conversation. I've said it. And I've had that many. That's how Christians talk. That's how Christians talk who don't want to change. Oh, everyone that knows me knows that I have a bad attitude. But thank God for his grace. That is not an excuse to continue in a bad attitude. Well, everyone that knows me knows that this is my weakness. But that does not give you the reason to continue to fall into that weakness. That, that is just, we're, we're justifying that I'm still man, so I kind of still have the green light to still sin. No. That, that's, that's not, what I'll get into what Paul says later, but no, that's not at all what scripture and what the work of the spirit wants to do in us. That's not transformational growth. So we can't say things like that. Maybe we are still saying things like this. Well, thank God for his grace. But amen, his grace, he knows that, uh, that this is who I am. Maybe, maybe you could relate to some of these things, like I can. I don't really like to pray, I fall asleep, but amen, his grace. I don't really read his word, I don't understand it, I get distracted, but amen, his grace. This is a popular one amongst the, the gathering of Christians. I'm just real. I'm just real. If you don't like it, then I'm just real. You're real, okay. I'm just real. <laughs> This, Because I've said this, so I'm dealing with myself right now. I'm just real. This is my sin. It's who I'll always be. But amen. Amen for his grace. His grace doesn't cover us so that we can continue to sin or continue to remain in spiritual infancy. His grace over me is, oh, I saved you. You're here now. And because of my grace, stay there. No, because of my grace, keep going. I have so many greater things for you. His grace covers us so that we can begin to experience growth and maturity. Amen? And we've learned this in weeks past. We've learned this actually months ago. From what? From glory to what? To glory. From glory to glory. 
there's a reason why that's in scripture. There's a reason why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, please write that down in your notes. There's a reason why Paul says this and writes this to the church of Corinth, out of all churches especially. He says this, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What are we looking at in the mirror? It's the glory of the Lord. And because we're making contact, because we're encountering the glory of the Lord. I'm glad that he didn't skip that part. I'm glad that the scripture doesn't read like this. But we with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror are being transformed. Thank you, Paul, that the Holy Spirit led you to write. We're beholding as in a mirror. And I love that he says the glory of the Lord. That right there is the most important part of that verse. Because at the end of the day, what are you looking at? What are you staring into? What are you... What are you piercing into? Paul says, the glory of the Lord. It's what's bouncing back at me. It's what's revealing itself to me. That mirror was a, it's the the revelation of God's word. That's the beholding of a mirror. It's not a real actual mirror that Paul stood before. It is the word of God bouncing back and revealing to him who God is and who he, Paul, is not and who he is in God. So when Paul is writing this, it's a revelation of, man, here we are with unveiled faces. Why unveiled? We all have free access to this what? To this mirror. A mirror that what? Reflects the glory of the Lord. What he's telling the church is, because Corinth was was a very church that was lacking in growth spiritually, it was this. It was... Not an excuse to continue to sin because they were doing that well. And and we've taught about that here in their love feast and all that. But what Paul is is teaching them here is, is we have unveiled faces now. Me as the apostle who claims to be the chief of all sinners, Paul. And all of you, the saints which I'm leading. All of us have the opportunity to stand before the glory of the Lord. Unveiled faces. There is no excuse. There is... Because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean that I should be at a greater place spiritually than you. Because the Bible says that me as a pastor and you as not a pastor, we still together are what? Are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, God's very own special people, Peter says. So just because I have a title of pastor, it does not take me away just like you in the position of son and daughter to my God. So so what I'm trying to say is, Stop coming to church in an infancy of growth and wanting the worship team to lead you. Start coming to church and shut them up and start leading them. Start growing in worship. Start growing in the word of God. Some of you need to come up here already and start out preaching me so that I could sit down already and start calling pastor so-and-so and so-and-so to come and fill up the podium because I'm going on a trip and I need him to fill in. Who's going to preach for you when you're gone? It's time that I say, well, we have some brothers and sisters in the church that are burning in the glory of the Lord because they're growing. I'm going out of town and it's going to be okay because they're preaching next Sunday. I'm talking, I'm telling you that it's not an excuse. Don't say, well, you're the pastor. You need to be, I am the spiritual leader of this house. But it doesn't mean that I'm in a higher place with God than you are. It might mean that. But it doesn't give the excuse that I should be in a higher place or a greater place or a more beloved place. You guys get what I'm saying? We all are children of God. And we all stand before the mirror with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God. 
I feel my grandmother in heaven saying, good job, son. I feel Abuela's helping me today. I mean, come on, don't twist that. Huh? She not said that. You guys know what I mean. If we're daily encountering his presence, the evidence of such an encounter is growth. I don't know how I'm going to be, I'm going to talk to you as, as, like, as, as, as your leader. I got so tired today of hearing Tito and Addie, come on, make a sound already. I feel like telling them, they just don't get it. I can't wait for them to come here and they don't say make a sound. They're like, hey, can you guys stop making a sound? We got to get into the next place already. Like, that's growth. That, that you no longer need to teach a teacher to feed you milk. It's growth. It's growth is what I'm telling you about. We'll get into that passage now. It's growth. Like seriously, going forward in this city, in this town, in this community, amongst this family, who do we want to be going forward? Do we want to be spiritual infants forever? Or do we want to be those who behold as in a mirror the glory of God that says, I don't know who has the greater anointing in that church. They are all buck wild for the Lord. Who do we really want to be? Who do we really want to be? I'm going to tell you who I really want to be. Who do, who do you, I mean, I hope you've seen that. Who do you really want to be? There is no reason why we call a Wednesday service here and there's 15 people here. There should be a Wednesday service here and there's more on Wednesday than there's on Sunday because there's a, I mean, I'm talking, you know, if you want, just receive this as, as, as yeah, I need to hear this. Because it's, it's, it's measuring your growth. And I got to take out the ruler today. And I got to say, what, who do we want to be? For the sake of the person you're sitting next to, for the sake of my two children that are in that back room, for the sake of my wife who's sitting in the front, for the sake of myself leading this congregation, who do I want to be in God? I got to get to a place. I have to get to a place where I am encountering the presence and beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And that is transforming me. Responding me to grow. Responding in growth. Amen? Amen. If we're daily encountering his presence, the evidence of such an encounter is growth. Listen, greater glory today than yesterday's. Man, I hope for the ones that are not saying amen, that you bring a greater glory next Sunday than you did today. If not, don't say amen. And don't nod your head if you don't mean it. Greater glory today than yesterday's. Next Sunday, bring your greater glory. Greater glory today than yesterday's. How about this one? Deeper prayer today than yesterday's. How do I know we are a church that lacks in prayer? Can I talk to you from a father's heart, from a leader's heart, from a pastor's heart? How do I know that we are a church that lacks in prayer? Wednesday is our emptiest service. Why? Because Wednesday we tend to pray a lot. And it's only an hour long. We try to keep it. How do I know we're a church that lacks in prayer? Because we started at 9.30 having prayer service. At 9.30 some of these chairs got prayed over. Many of you guys are sitting here. You didn't know that. And we're calling the church to come at 9.30 and start praying and interceding and releasing a sound to God. But there's only the same five people that are burning for God that keep coming. What does that show the leadership? We're a church that lacks prayer. Because when we're called to come and pray, oh, I just can't make it at 9.30. What's the difference from 9.30 to 10? What I'm trying to say is, who do we want to be going forward? 
prayer is deeper today than yesterday's. How many of you could say amen? I'm not going to get up from my knees until this prayer deepens. God, I heard pastor's word and I'm not going to get up until it deepens. What do you say? Just talk to him. What do I talk? Open up the word and start talking the word of God if you want. I'm just going to read you the word like if you don't know it. <laughs> just read him the stories that, that erupt in prayer. I'm telling you, there's so many ways. I could give you a whole lesson of so many angles of how you could pray. How about this one? Greater revelation in his word today than yesterday's. Man, I really want you to feel that in your gut. I don't want this just to be like, wow, I felt so good in that service. No, I want you to say, wow, I was so transformed because of that service. Okay, better, how about this one? Better attitude today than yesterday's. Listen, we all have personality types, but does not give you the excuse to continue in your bad attitude. Yes, your personality, maybe other personalities can't swallow, and that's okay. But I want you to know it does not give you right to have a bad attitude. Attitude, bad attitudes, not from God. God wants to change that. Better attitudes today than last, than, oh man, than last week's attitude. Come on. How about this one? Greater spiritual growth today than yesterday's. Here's what I wrote in bold. Encounters with holy God. Encounters with holy God will birth responses of greater growth. Encounters with Holy God will birth, will birth responses of greater growth. If we meet this week and you said, I heard your message and I don't know how to grow in my spiritual walk. I want you to teach me. This is what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to have one Bible study with you. I'm not going to have one prayer service with you. Here's how I'm going to teach you. Encounter his presence. Encounter his glory. And then you're going to learn how to grow. You're going to get it. Because then what's going to happen is, you're always going to measure your growth according to the leadership, the leadership that fosters that growth over your life. And when that leadership is released, or when that leadership has to step down, or when that leadership has a, 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 something bad that happens to them, then what happens to your growth? Your leader just left you. We all have spiritual leaders in our lives just like I do. But our grand spiritual leader that causes this responsive growth should be the daily encounters that we have with our God. The greatest thing that I could tell you is, how can I grow more? I'm going to tell you this. What has God been speaking to you in the quiet place of his presence? Well, I haven't really got, we'll get there. And then we'll discuss growth. Because you're not going to understand Anything that we're saying, if you don't even understand getting to the place of his presence yet. Place at your knees, at your place where you're crying out to him. A place where, Lord, woe is me. I need more of you. Come on. Responding looks like what? Growth. Growth looks like this. I'm going to skim through some scripture to give you some passage that wraps up everything I'm talking about here. I love how the passion says, Romans 12. (laughs) Look, look Look at how this translation words this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response? Isn't that awesome? To God's marvelous mercies. I in- what should be my response, Pastor? Uh, you have a meeting with me? What should be my response? Let's go to Romans. Paul says, What should be our proper response to God's mer- marvelous mercies? Here it is. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God. That was last week's message. What was last week's message? Response looks like surrender. Paul, thank you. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God. To be what? To be 
his sacred living sacrifices, holy, sacred, holy, what does that mean? Set apart. Live in holiness, experiencing all the delights, all that delights his heart. Oh, not your heart. His heart. For this becomes your genuine, I love this word that it's used here, expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed, young caterpillar, by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his ways. God, I could preach on that for a year on that. Romans 8.29, Paul tells us what? We read this last week, so I'll read it to you one more time, just for memory. That we are, what is the ultimate will and goal for our lives? That God's desire is for all of us, that we'd be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8.29 teaches us that. Man, Romans 8.29, Romans 12.1 and 2, responding looks like growth. And yes, it comes from a place of surrender, but it also looks like growth. I love how the author of Hebrews puts it in the same translation. I'm going to read it. Don't know necessarily exactly who the author of Hebrews is, but look what he says. He says, we have much to say about this topic, although it is difficult to explain, because you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. For you should already, guys, he's talking to believers. For you should already be professors instructing others by now. But instead, you need to be taught from the beginning in the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and you're not ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. It almost ties up with what, what he says in, in Corinthians, right? It almost sounds like this. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the mirror who reveals the glory of God. (laughs) But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. Did you catch what I said earlier? I pray that that eternity is on your hearts. And if it's not, that it would start burning in your hearts again. How many of you have lost eternity in your hearts? I said that during worship. Why do you think I said that? Well, look what this author says. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they've been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. There, what, is, what is the author saying? There is no excuse and no justification. When you come to the place of maturity, of growth in the Lord, you will be able to separate what is evil and harmful and what is righteousness and true. Stop justifying it. Stop giving that excuse to it. What an amazing way of putting it. And that was really more of the introduction because of what God showed me. But thank God the message is not too long. God showed me a balloon and just blowing the balloon. And we all know that balloons reach a limit. That no more air can be blown into that balloon. If just one more blow of air is released into that balloon, we... We, we begin to cringe, we close our eyes, and we start to grab it differently because we know it's going to pop. 
So, so the Lord was showing me that, right? There's different balloons, and every single balloon holds, holds a different weight of my breath. Every balloon holds a different weight of my breath. Some are this small, and that's, that's the stretching where it could go. That's as much as I could breathe into them. Some are bigger, that's as much as I could breathe them. Then you get these massive ones. That's as much as I could breathe. I don't know. I feel like, Lord, I want to be, I want to switch balloons because I want to get to the one that I have more weight of your breath in me than when I first started. I believe that when I first got saved, he blew and I was this little balloon and it was good. And man, I was, it was red too because I was on fire. And I was preaching everyone. I became a rapper instantly. This literally, I got cornrows and I got lines in my head. I made Tito rap with me one time. <laughs> he still tells me today, I still can't believe I did that. <laughs> but what caused me to do that? I believe it was because there was a weight of his breath over me and that little balloon was going was gonna to make noise. But it came to a point where like, are you just satisfied with that? Because I have more breath. I have more pouring. Come on, let's exchange that balloon. Let me blow into something more deeper. And it becomes bigger and it becomes bigger. I wonder how many of us are just, we're 20 years saved, but we still have that little balloon. I'm like, this is the little balloon. That God, you know, I got to keep it. I keep it. Well, in Mark chapter 2, some of the crowd, some of the crowd is asking Jesus, how come your disciples, right, they don't fast? Good question to ask. Because John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees, they fast, but yours do not. So look what Jesus says. Here's my message. It's one, two, three, four verses only. Here it is. But Jesus says in Mark 2, 19, he says, Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. 21 and 22, I have asterisks next to it. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving even a bigger tear than before. Verse 22. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would be, both be lost. New wine, new wine calls for new wineskins. Amen? I'm just going to read you some commentary that I read because I said, you know what, why steal? Why reinvent the wheel? Let me just share with them exactly what I read today. So I, I, I wrote this down. Listen to this. Jesus did not condemn fasting itself, but rather he said that his presence meant it was not time to abstain from celebration. He did not conform to their expectations, right, of, 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 of religion, of holiness, um, not because their views were entirely wrong, but because God was doing a new thing. That if they were to receive him, they would have to adjust their expectations and not try to contain the new in the forms of the old. Can I give you an example? Not in the notes, but can I give you an example? Every time that the Pharisees, the religious leaders came to Jesus, what did they always say? In the law of Moses, it says what? In the law, you should ask me, what do I say about such things? Man, I know not everyone gets that. Because they were so caught up in the old things. Not that they're not important. We treasure the old things. Not that we don't necessarily unfollow them. 
But what should have been asked by the Pharisees and by the religious leaders when they brought the adulterous woman and when they brought all the certain sinners to the Lord is not necessarily, hey, Rabbi, you, what does Moses say about such a thing? What they should have said if they would have behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, they would have recognized that the right response should have been what? Hey, Messiah, teacher, Lord, what do you say about such a thing? Why? Because their old way and their old wineskin continued to carry old wine and yet they couldn't see before them the new wine that stood before them ready to be poured out. So every time they were asked a question, it came from an old wineskin bringing forth old wine that's bitter. Listen, praise God for your old wine and your old wineskin. Thank God it's still wine. But are you satisfied with your old wineskin that still carries old wine? Or do you want to switch it over to a new wineskin that carries the new thing that he's doing, which is new wine? To do otherwise, go back to the commentary, would cause spiritual damage. Actually, let me go back. But because God was doing a new thing, if they were to receive him, that would have to, they would have to adjust their expectations and not try to contain the new in the forms of the old. To do otherwise would cause spiritual damage as Jesus' illustration reveals. After a piece of clothing has been washed many times, it has shrunk to a point where it cannot shrink any further. You guys know the shirts you sleep with at night. Your favorite shirt that's thin. Used wineskins have been stretched as far as they will go without bursting by the gases produced by the fermentation of fresh wine. If one tries to mend shrunken piece of cloth with a new patch, the patch will eventually shrink and tear away from the shrunken cloth. Because the shrunken cloth will have no give left in it. Similarly, the gases produced by fermenting wine will stretch old, stretch out wineskins beyond their breaking point, And new patches are for new cloth that now can accommodate shrinking. And new wine is for new wineskin that can accommodate expansion. Jesus could not be fit exactly into preconceived patterns and expectations and those who tried would find themselves suffering great spiritual harm. So when Jesus says something like this, ready? And no one puts new wine into the old wineskins for the old wine would burst the wineskins and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine now calls for new wineskins. I'm wondering if right now if that relates to any of us. And I think the answer is yes. Is the Lord trying to do a new thing in you? A greater thing in you? A growthly thing in you? To grow you, but what's there needs to be exchanged. What needs to be done with in order for the new wine to begin to fill you. I can't blow into that balloon because if I blow one more time, it's going to harm you. It's going to pop. Just like I can't continue to pour wine into that old wineskin because it's going to pop. What you need to do is get rid of the old and come into a new and deeper glory. Watch me fill that new wineskin with new wine. What is the Lord trying to do in us? Last week we spoke about responding looks like surrender. I want to make sure we understand this. I know I already said it. I'll say it again. Growth will follow, will follow your surrender to the Lord. But where or what is the growth that the Lord is calling from you, calling in you? Don't smirk or laugh or, or giggle or pull me aside at me. 
Because I stand alongside of you. But one day you'll stand before God. One day you will stand before God. Why was the wineskin never exchanged for a new wineskin? So that I could pour new wine. Well, do you know how uncomfortable that was? Do you know how uncomfortable the cross was? That brought forth the new covenant, which represented the wine, which was my blood. He wants to pour new wine in you, in us, in me, but this new wine cannot be contained by old wineskins. I'm going to show you a picture for a moment. Rudy has a picture. Here's an old wine. There's an old wineskin. It almost looks like a pig upside down. Like a burnt pig. But that's it, an old wineskin. It's old. You could see it. It's very fragile. It's been, it's been, I mean, there's been wine in there and it's fermented in there. And that's an old wineskin. Can I, can I be honest? With, I'm going to be very transparent and honest with you. Don't judge that wineskin. That wineskin did its job. That wineskin did a great job, actually, with the wine it contained. I don't want you to look at that wineskin and say, what an idiot. You should just, like, come on, get a different pouch. That one's ugly. Because when I see that old wineskin, it has a story to tell. That old wineskin has been places and has done things and it's, I mean, the wine that has come from that wineskin, do you know what happens with wineskins? People drink from it just like you know a tree by its fruit and people take from the fruit of its tree, people take from what? The wine from the wineskin. People receive from that wineskin of yours. And so I don't want to dishonor your wineskin at all and the wineskins of the past. Are you with me? We honor those wineskins. Praise God for those wineskins. But those wineskins will only take you so much farther. Don't be satisfied with the stories of old. How many times have I said here, let's enter into new revivals and stop speaking about the revivals of old? And we say yes, and we say amen, and we do all these things, great word, and you pat my back, and we do all those things. But do we really mean it? Do we really want that? If we really want that, I don't have to exchange my wine, my wineskin and be poured new wine. We need to exchange our wineskin so that new wine, and then we could start talking about revivals anew today that are better than the revivals of old yesterday. That we could talk about prayers that are deeper today than prayers that were deeper yesterday. That we could talk about glory that is more glorious today than glories that were glorious yesterday, more glorious than those. But 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 it's not going to be just me, Pastor, you're the pastor, you exchange your wineskin. No. How about if I say, come on, let's all go to the market right now before his presence, and let's all exchange Change this wineskin which we honor and we will testify of it for a while while we're here on earth but let us put on new wineskin so that new wine could fill us Lord let us hear that Lord he wants to pour new wine but this new wine can't be contained by old wineskins can't be so he can't pour into that it's going to pop and if I pour new wine and you can't handle my new wine and you pop Guess what? Forget about the testimony you're going to leave for your name, but the testimony that you're going to leave for his name. So I'd rather not pour into that wineskin because I don't want my name to be looked bad. So, so you've reached your limit of my pouring. Come on. What needs to be exchanged in here? I'm not talking about a pouch at all. I'm talking directly to your spiritual man. 
What needs to be exchanged in there so that new wine could begin to fill it? So people could start drinking from that new wine and saying, that wine tastes sweeter than the bitter one. What does that mean? Your character changed. I have new wine. <laughs> Your prayer has changed. I have new wine. You walk with a different glory. I have new wine. Do you get what I'm saying? People will drink from your wineskin, but are they still tasting the bitter wine for so many years in that old wineskin? Or will you begin to exchange it so when you pour into people, the wine that they drink now is a sweeter wine, and they look at you and say, there's something different about what I just drank from you. And you could say, I exchanged the old wineskin to the new. God is doing a work in our gathering and in our family and in my life, and it is burning, and I have a new wine, and I have this new thing happening in me. Come and keep drinking, and you'll see what happens to you. You, you have that wine skin, that wine, but let's not be satisfied with that old one. I think Kevin said it. Jesus' first miracle is water into wine. That's not a coincidence at all. Because when he, trans, when he changed the water into wine, what did the, what, did the, what, the, what did the planner of the wedding say? He said, wow, you have exchanged. You have what? Saved the best wine for last when the best should always be served first. What happened when he tasted it? He said, the newer wine is so much better than the old wine. My lips have tasted it, and I will say it. You've saved the best for last. I believe that there is a greater wine today. Ah, man, I, I have so much that I want to say on that. I'm going to skip it. But Will we settle for the wines that brought our earthly growths and stay there? Or will we prepare a new wineskin to hold a new thing and a new wine that the Lord wants to do? So when we say, hey, how many of you are going to come to 930? It's not because you're forced to come over here and because you felt bad because you feel like I kind of rebuked you, which I did not. But you come over here, you come over here because there's a new wine that's bubbling inside your new wineskin. 930, I'm starting at 9. <laughs> you guys get that stuff, what I'm saying there? There is growth for us. There's growth that wants to happen in us. But will we exchange old wineskin with new to receive his new wine in order to receive the growth that his spirit desires for us? Here's a picture of a new wineskin just for the sake of it. <clears throat> Much more attractive. You, you could tell just by looking at it, the story is not as raw. I mean, it doesn't have a long story. It's just a new wineskin. But let me tell you, the fermentation and the gases and stuff of the wine... That stuff is going to start to, to change the image of the one who hosts that wine. And I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit begins to move and the fermentation and the work of the Holy Spirit begins to bubble inside of you, that wineskin, man, will begin to be transformed into the image and your stories will begin to sound like Jesus' stories. You guys are with me? Come on. So much we could say even on that. One theologian says it this way, this whole encounter. Jesus was warning them that their king had come and they would not be able to deal with this king unless they got rid of the structures that made it impossible for them to receive him. That's powerful. What do you need to get rid of? What structures? What things? So you could receive this. All right? I'm going to ask the, the team to, to start getting ready because... I want to share some more passages and then we're done. In Isaiah chapter 43, 19, 20, and 21, listen to this. This is um, Isaiah, Old Testament. Look what he says here, speaking about the things to come. Verse 19, he says, behold, I'm doing a what? Now it springs forth. Do not, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? 
It will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I have given water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Behold, I do a new thing, he says, that springs forth. And then in Acts chapter 2, how many of you have ever read Acts chapter 2? Let's have an amazing storytelling time. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus is, is, gonna, is, is gone, but right before he leaves, he's with his disciples. Let's say this crew right here is my disciples, and I'm Jesus. And he says, this is what I want you all to do. I want you to go back to Jerusalem, and don't move from Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit fills you. When the Holy Spirit fills you, then you're going to know what to do. It's almost like he's saying, I'm done teaching you. Get into the encounter, and when I get into the encounter, the encounter is going to become your teacher. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher. So they're like, all right, Jesus told us to stick around in Jerusalem. So 50 days later, 10, day, 10 days after he went to be with the Father, because he stayed for 40 days, then he left and he ascended to be with the Father, and then there was a 10-day span. And on that 50th day from his resurrection, they're all praying in a room. And as they're praying, something powerful happens. And let's just go into that. You know the story probably, but forgive me, let's read it one more time. New King James translation says it like this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many of you want to see that in this house? And I feel like I have to hold you for your word. There came a, I want you to go back to work on Mondays and say, how was church Sunday? There was a sound from heaven. The heck, you're weird. I sure am. My church is weird. I'm weird. My pastor, you should meet him. He's weird. There was a sound from heaven. And that we could start saying that. Soon, please, soon, before the end of the year. God, do that work. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I'll tell you why there came a sound. Because the Lord honors that you notice no one was in charge. It wasn't about titles. It wasn't about propaganda. It wasn't about any kind of image. It was about one place in one accord in one mind. They were just together. A rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. Didn't leave any of them out. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you're here, if you're revisiting, you're a guest or you're you're confused about this church, I want you to know that we are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit wants to sit over you. We are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. We are a church that believes that once he fills you, we believe as a church that he wants to fill you with his fruit and with his gifts. And I'm not going to back away from that. We believe in that. And Acts Church believed in it. Why should I not? They are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, honorable men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, my God, may our sound bring crowds. And nothing other than our sound. What's the sound? It's the sound of heaven. May that bring the crowds. Trust me, there's so many other ways to bring the crowds. But may that be what brings the crowds. That there's a sound in this place from heaven. 
And then it says, they came together, they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language and they were all amazed, they marveled, saying to one another, look, are these not the ones who, sp who speak Galilean? Are these not the ones who, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then they tell you all the different languages and places from where they were born at. I'm not even going to try to pronounce them all because you love me, you're going to tell me to read on. And verse 12 says, so they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And then there's others in the group because every crowd will bring mockers and unbelievers. Amen? Others mocking said, they're but I love that the mockery of the fools still brings the revelation of our Lord. I pray that fools start mocking this place and the mockery of fools brings forth the revelation of heaven. You fool, you just brought forth God's revelation. So the mockers, the fools said, they're full of you, one. Yes, we are. <laughs> because he speaks out of, I should say the word donkeys, just so I don't lose any of you for next Sunday. But he speaks out of the other word too. He speaks out of donkeys. He speaks from plagues and blood and grasshoppers and he speaks from weird things and he could speak from weird people like us and others could come in here and say, what was that sound we heard? And some will be attached to it. We want to hear the same sound you hear and speak the way you speak and then there's going to be others in the group that won't like it and they'll begin to mock our wineskin and they'll begin to mock the wine that we hold but mock it all they want because their mockery is going to bring forth our victory. Their mockery and their foolishness is going to bring forth God's revelation. Those people are filled with new wine. Yes, we are. And I won't change it for anything else. Keep your city, keep your town, keep your agenda. But this family, we're filled with new wine. I'm going to start growing up in here. Come on, Pastor. Don't cancel Wednesday. We'll be there Wednesday and Thursday. And I'm going to bring my prayer. Seriously. You want to be there Wednesday? We're having service this Wednesday. We're not canceling it. But we're going to come with new wine. We're going to come with greater praise. We're going to come with a greater shout. I'm not going to come. I promise you that if it's 7.30 and I'm the only one praying at 7.35, I'm closing it and I'm going home with my family who I want to spend time with. If we're going to gather, new wine is going to stir up in our midst. Let the mockers say they're full of new wine. At least I'm full of that. Because I used to be full of so much other stuff. Of new wine. Lord, let the new wine bring growth. Let the exchange of the wineskin happen right now. And Peter stood up with the other 11 and began to shout, Men of Judea who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And heed my words, for these are not drunk men, as you suppose they are. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. 
But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. New wine on new wineskins. It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see dreams. Old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter stood up that day and when he stood up that day he said you got it all wrong they're not drunk of the wine you think they're drunk of the wine that God has given and this is the promise of being under such an influence of such wine I mean you drink your wine just to get a little buzz You drink your wine just to get a little buzz. But I drink my wine so that I could what? So that the Spirit of the Lord could be poured upon me so I could start to prophesy and have visions and dreams. My wine, my intoxication brings forth greater glory. That's my buzz. That's what Peter was saying. What you're seeing is new wine on new wineskins. We're done with our old religious ways. You want to run back to the temple? Go run back to the temple and to those Pharisees. But you're going to miss out on what's new and what he wants to do. Many of them did. But on that day, 3,000 got saved and said, uh -uh, we ain't moving. Baptize us in the name of the Son, Father, and the Holy Spirit. And they began to take the gospel to different regions. And sometime later, said another 5,000 were added to the church. I'm telling you, the sound from heaven became very addicting. Everyone wanted a piece. But I believe it was because they exchanged old wineskins and they began to receive new wine and the transformation began from within and the old caterpillars became beautiful butterflies and they began the process in which God called them. Come on, I'm done. What's your response look like? What are you struggling? What are you, what's stunting your growth? Sin, baggage, lack of spiritual hunger, laziness, fear of change, or religious spirit. Come on, even if you're a religious person today, awesome. We're going to deliver, God wants to deliver you from your religion, from religiosity. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit was meant for the, no, it's not, you can't even prove it to me biblically. Come on, old wineskins, let's offer them up. And let's say, Lord, fill me with new wine. Mm, I feel, I f I'm not, there's no way I'm going to end today. I mean, we just have to, we have to go through this response. And we have to say, Lord, I'm not going to leave this encounter here without exchanging the old wineskin for new wine. Come on, I want you to stand with me. I want you to start getting into the presence. Come on, lead the worship team. Come on, release before they can release a sound. I want every single hand, if you want to raise them, go ahead. I don't even want to tell you what to do. I ain't coaching you. I want the Holy Spirit to tell you and lead you and coach you. I want you to speak the words that he gives you deep inside of your belly. Come on, I want you to release the praise and I want you to release 
the thanksgiving and I want you to release the glory and come on I want the old wineskins today to be exchanged for new wineskins so that he could pour out the new wine if you could come up to the altar if you want you could come up here and we'll cry out here together no one needs to touch you let the Holy Spirit touch you no one has to pray over you necessarily let God right now Jesus in his presence right now in his throne is praying over you right now and he's interceding for your behalf and he's saying father there are some sons and there are some daughters that right now in that warehouse right there in that gathering they're going to exchange old wineskins for new wineskins holy spirit are you ready go down there and begin to pour new wine upon the old one on the new wineskin and let them begin to take on my image take on my word come on take on growth let that encounter bring forth such a maturity and such a growth such a reverence for holiness and righteousness come on old wineskins drop them off right now and and, and receive the new wineskin Receive the new wine. Lord, I pray for a breaking over this house. I pray for strongholds come down. I pray for sin. Lord, I pray for whatever it is right now. Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, consume. Come on, draw us to the place, the place of transparency, the place, Lord, where we are wrecked, the place, Lord God, where we say, here I am. I am undone. Fill me with new wine. Come on, let's release a sound. Let's receive our new wineskin. Come on, all over this room. All over this room. Receive new wineskin and new wine. Come on, all over this room. Your first time, your first time in a while.